morning, good afternoon, or good evening, listeners, and welcome to the latest installment of MBM's M&A Snack and Chat podcast. I'm Brian Shaw, corporate partner in MBM's London office, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Caroline Urban. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Brian. Hello, everyone. So as a reminder for our listeners about what to expect on these podcasts, on each episode, we will catch up with former clients whom we've helped buy and sell businesses and other specialists in the M&A field who can share their insights and provide our listeners with hints and tips on the M&A process. The idea, it's a short 15 to 20 minute podcast that's fun and informative that you can listen to on the go or while you're sipping your morning tea or munching on your afternoon snack. Speaking of which, Caroline, what are you snacking on today? Well, I unfortunately managed to lose the heating in my flat, so my snack today is just a cup of hot chocolate. What about you, Brian? Well, today I feel a little naughty, so I'm, I'm having a divine, smooth, dark, pink Himalayan salt chocolate. Gosh, how sophisticated. Yes, very nice, with my cup of coffee. <laughs> um, anyway, enough about the snacks. Let's get on with the show. And it is with much interest that we are joined today by David Nix, founder of Ready for Retirement, a single affordable solution to meet the essential family needs before and during retirement. Ready for Retirement offers funeral plans, will writing services, powers of attorney, and family protection trusts, all in one thorough and simplified package to make retirement easy. Before establishing Ready for Retirement, David worked in a call center prior to beginning a successful career in IT. Having set up large service operations for O2, T-Mobile, and Vodafone, he then moved to the funeral industry to set up a new call center operation for Golden Charter. As an executive director of Golden Charter for over six years, he created the legal arm of the business. It was through his experience that David saw an opportunity to improve the products and services offered in the market, and so he established Ready for Retirement. David, it's such a pleasure and welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to see you. David, before we begin, as is traditional on these podcasts, what are you snacking on today? Uh, Well, I'm trying to plan ahead for Christmas, to be honest, so I've got banana with me. I'm trying to be healthy. Fair enough. Fair enough. There'll be plenty of time for chocolates in due course. (laughs) So let's just kick off with a little bit more of a context and to why David is joining us today. So David sold his business two years ago to a national funeral operator, only to buy it back in the summer of this year. So David has been on both sides of the M&A process, one as a buyer and one as a seller. So some might argue he makes the perfect guest for this show. So David, Tell us about the David Nix journey. Where did it all begin and how did you get into the funeral planning business? Some of it was covered in that nice introduction, so, so thanks very much for that. Basically, without going into too much detail, so I, I grew up on, on an island, part of a little family business that my parents uh, were hoteliers, and I was desperate to move to the mainland and head off to uni. Unfortunately, during my first uni year, my, my father passed away quite suddenly and quite young. And, and I found myself returning home and working in a call centre. Through that experience, I kind of, I, I've worked my way into IT and project, then kind of serving different businesses, as, as you already mentioned. I've got a really good mix of working for different types of businesses, telcos, banks, new starts, and ultimately ended up setting up a call centre for one of the UK's largest funeral planning providers, a company called Golden Charter. I stayed with them for just under a decade, nine years, which was great to be part of. 
but as I came out of that business, I, I, I kind of thought that it was all entirely around the funeral directors. You know, the, the competition was that the, the larger funeral conglomerates, people like Dignity and the cooperative. And I wanted to establish a business that was wholly around the customer. It was all around the family. It was all around looking after families at a difficult time. And hence, uh, Ready for Retirement was born. So Ready for Retirement, we, we were only two years old when we sold. At the time of acquisition, um, we were serving 6,000 customers a year and we had 100 employees. And Ready for Retirement was really kind of making waves in the market as uh, approaching the market differently. And uh, it, was, it was a really exciting time for us. And, uh, and actually, the, the potential to sell the business wasn't something that we had uh, anticipated so early in the journey. But that, that's really uh, where we got to. And um, things have moved on since then, of course, as we're going to come on to talk mm. about. I guess that nicely leads us to the next question. And sometimes, you know, people give different responses to these. But you say that you weren't really looking to sell the business. So I guess the question is more, how did you, were you approached by a buyer? How did you find your buyer or what convinced you to then sell in the end? As our business was growing and we were working with different people within the, the funeral industry and the uh, estate planning industry, we began working quite closely with, with, with one of the, the national funeral providers uh, in as much as we were providing IT, marketing, uh, sales process and service processes for that that business and, and multiple businesses actually but one particular business we became quite intertwined with and it was through that experience where they actually approached us and said look we think you're adding so much value to our business we would quite like you to entertain uh, us us acquiring the business so it was it was quite early on I've no regrets I think I, I think at that time it was right for us. And for me personally, uh, it was the opportunity to grow the business further. So um, the national funeral provider uh, was private equity backed. So for me to move on as well and gain more experience from work working in private equity, secure my family at the same time in terms of the, the, sale, of, the sale of Ready for Retirement, but also the ability to retain day-to-day -day control and grow the business further. You know, that that was all really appealing at that point, which was the main reason for, for selling. At the time of selling, were you the, the sole shareholder? And what was what kind of were the promises made to you to say, we're going to buy you, but but we want to keep you on. We want you to manage and, and keep ready for retirement as a separate business. Part of the deal was that I remained within the business. At the time of sale, I was 80% shareholder with two other directors. What was attractive to us was being able to obviously take a, a small personal win, secure the family, but then move forward and really grow the business and approach the market in a, in a much more aggressive fashion, I would say, to grow much more quickly than, than we had been growing. Okay. What were some of the more challenging aspects of the, of the sale process? So you got this offer. What did you do with it then? Did you, did you go seek some professional services providers? You know, did you talk to corporate finance, to lawyers? What, what, talk me through that process. We spoke to a number of people. We spoke to our accountants. We spoke to, to MBM. We um, took advice from various people. What was very exhaustive at that time was the mm -hmm. due diligence. So we, we, very, we, we entered into a due diligence process mm. on the basis that the deal was going to go ahead. Well, once the heads of terms and an offer came in, it was all about actually making that happen. 
then it became very intensive indeed. So you might not believe this, but within the space of a year, we were audited by four different entities. So there was a real mass of people coming into our business and auditing what we were doing and trying to understand what we were doing, which at the same time, trying to operate a growing business was challenging. That must have been a huge distraction because as, as an entrepreneur, you want to be growing your business and running it successfully. And when a sale process comes along, that can be a huge distraction. How long did the whole process take, the, the due diligence? Probably about six months in, there was this kind of, will it happen? Will it not happen? Meanwhile, we're trying to serve the buyer who was one of our main clients. So we were trying to help them grow at the same time, making sure that if the deal didn't proceed, that we were protected and that we were growing our own business and mitigating risks in other ways by trying to balance our customer base. Most of the challenges actually came about post-sale though. (laughs) I shouldn't go into too much detail. It was more about me being retained within the business and then functions being centralized. As the acquisition took place, for example, HR and finance functions were centralized. That then meant that part of what had been discussed pre-acquisition about retaining full control wasn't strictly possible because it's hard to retain full control of of a business when the HR and finance functions are elsewhere. As part of the integration, did you you move into their offices? Did you end up working with a lot of their people as well? What was that like? I'm always curious to hear about, you know, what happens after we've done our bit. I became a member of the board of the funeral provider, reporting in on a kind of weekly basis at weekly leadership meetings and then monthly board meetings, investment committee reviews and all of these things, which were actually relatively new to me. But at the same time, we were trying to to grow the business, approach the market with a new direction as a combined direction, looking after um, prepaid planning and, and actual servicing funerals at need as well. So the whole business became a much bigger entity, which was pleasing, but also challenging. There was obviously there were challenges going through post acquisition, but then you decided to buy the business back. Explain how that came about and what were some of the challenging aspects of, of that process? You know, on the flip side, you know, buying the business. What happened was that there was a, a change of strategic direction within the, the funeral provider itself, a change of CEO, change of strategy. The opportunity came back to actually almost kind of go back on the original path that we had set out upon to become the UK's largest and most trusted retirement planning provider. That is really where we want to be. I was quite keen to talk to people about pension advice and equity release, uh, all of these things that that in a post-COVID world will be extremely relevant to, to families. The actual funeral provider was uh, very focused on the estate, the funeral director's estate and the crematorium estate and actually servicing customers at an at need perspective. So really we wanted to go in two different paths and I think we had a, a very mature conversation about that. The opportunity arose for me to, to take control of Ready for Retirement again, which was very exciting but actually quite daunting in that for, for two years we'd been working on it, linking the businesses, centralising functions. Once we had the, the main agreement in place, the main challenges were physically making that possible because what we have is we have processes and people that were working within each different side of the business 
the processes were linked. So it was then about backward engineering those processes to disconnect them. Certainly for me, one of the most challenging sides of that was actually having to say goodbye to, to some people who had grown with Ready for Retirement from day one, had moved into different roles with the national funeral provider, and then finding out that their roles wouldn't be continuing. So would you say that the, the business you bought back was actually quite different from when you had sold it to the funeral provider two years ago? I think so. I think the, the, the business uh, I sold became very much about serving the national funeral provider in terms of the functions. So we were servicing IT, marketing, customer services and sales for that provider we had almost lost sight of what we were trying to do to differentiate ourselves in the market and serve families rather than funeral directors. Moving forward, what's really nice is that we can actually look at the family as the priority and approach the market as, a, um, as an independent entity and always do best for our customers based on what's there within the market. So it, it gives us more freedom. You mentioned that you sadly had to leave some people behind because they developed with the business that that bought you. Did some people come back with you? There has been some people that have that moved the other way. Yeah, over the four-year period, people had started working on the telephones in a call centre out of our air office. We've got examples of people that have moved into actually funeral director roles. So they've come out of a call centre and then became fully-fledged funeral directors. So when the businesses separate, we don't have a need for a funeral director, you know, that's not, we're, mm. we're all about pre-planning. So we all wish them the best of luck. We have got finance people and administrators that we took on under the National Funeral Director banner that are now part of the Ready for Retirement business, which is really, really good. Which was more demanding, the buy side or the sell side? Looking back, I would say the sale was more demanding because mm. there seemed like there was more at stake at, at that time. The way I looked at it back then, even if the deal didn't happen, Ready for Retirement was protected and there was a commercial win for us. Mm. So we won because we had a two-year agreement, which was a lucrative agreement in itself for our business. Or if the deal went through, of course, the the leadership team all got a little win out of that and uh, the security of the deal actually going through and being part of something bigger. Mm. So um, certainly I would say that the sale was more demanding would you, would you go through the process again if someone else came in two years' time and said, I'd like to buy you? I, I think I would, absolutely, yeah. I think I would perhaps be less naive. I would want to be more clear about what my role is post-sale because I got swept up in the excitement of the sale of the business and my continuing role. In hindsight, I should have clarified the level of control that I would have moving forward. But absolutely, I would. It's been a really great thing to do. Having been on both the the sell and the buy side, you would have had your fair share of dealing with different professionals, let alone four different auditing firms. What was it like dealing with and juggling all those professionals? And did you have particularly good experience with some and were others a little bit more challenging? I really enjoy meeting people. And I I can quite honestly say I've met some great people along the the journey, Um, even accountants there, I'll say, but uh, accountants and solicitors, and we're always learning, aren't we? So what's great about professional advisors is they're not within your business. They're taking a very level external view at how they can help you. Luckily, we worked with some great people, MBM included, people that looked at what we were trying to achieve, 
Uh, I trusted that they had our backs and always wanted us to be protected and to move forward safely. And, and what's great is when you're working with people like that, they can challenge you and you don't get emotional about it because you know that, you know, that they're only trying to help. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed meeting, meeting the experts that we did meet. Obviously, with COVID, that was a little bit more challenging because you bought during the, the, the middle of the crisis. How did you find that process? I don't like using words like this with, with regards to COVID, but it has been an opportunity for us. It's been difficult for some and it's been an opportunity for others. I, I kind of thank God every day that we can still trade. We, we are able to trade. We are able to help people with, with a, a product and a service that's required. Now, if you think about all those people that have experience of family members that have gone into hospital or they haven't been able to speak to their loved ones about their wishes, we are able to offer a really ethical, kind service at a time when people need it. We set up from the start that we, we wanted to be kind of modern in the way we worked and we, we always had home working. Our systems are all cloud-based. So that has actually worked out very well for us. I would actually say buying back the business at this time has actually helped because we can make decisions more quickly. We can make yeah. decisions within half an hour. Whereas uh, as part of a, a group, we were required to put papers to the board and get approval and mm -hmm. these other things that are there for the right reasons. But you lose your, your nimbleness and your flexibility to be able to, to change quickly. And the sale process itself, you couldn't physically meet MBM, you couldn't physically meet the other side. That would have been a different experience from when you, when you sold. In terms of uh, legal documentation, going backwards and forwards and telephone calls and the support that was provided by professional advisors, it didn't impact us that much. We've evolved and adapted, which I think is a great thing for any business. We should be able to evolve and adapt not only to customers' needs, but to operating and how we work. So far, Touchwood, we've been able to do that. That's really refreshing to hear. Mm. With benefit of hindsight, what sort of advice would you give to our listeners who are considering selling their business? First and foremost, don't be scared. And you, uh, there's there's lots of people out there that can can help them along the journey. I, I've had some some great help. With hindsight, I would be more clear about what what the seller's role is moving forward. If they're remaining with the business, what elements of control they would have. I mean, I'm uh, very passionate and I've got lots of drive, but I'm also quite emotional. And that's great in a smaller business. But as the, uh, the organizational life cycle takes place and ownership changes and businesses grow, sometimes passion and emotion aren't great, you know. Mm. <laughs> they only get you so far. The, the model and the business has to operate as a, as a commercial entity. I think those two points, be, be clear on, on what the role is moving forward mm. and don't be scared. Well, that's, that was, that's some great advice, uh, David. And, and again, thank you for, for joining us on the show. And that ends our uh, a formal part of proceedings. Uh, we have just enough time for our rapid fire round. So <laughs> don't be scared. As you take your advice, <laughs> don't be scared. You'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as, as you can in that time. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. So David, in one word or phrase only. On your mark, get set. What was your first job? Gardener. What is your favourite holiday destination? Mallorca. If you were having a dinner party in Mallorca and could invite three guests, alive, dead or fictional, who would you invite and why? Ooh, um, uh, David Attenborough. 
because I, I find him fascinating. Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd be good fun. Last but not least, probably Lewis Hamilton, actually. I think Lewis Hamilton's achieved some amazing things. Interesting mix of guests. Mm. I want to come. <laughs> um, what's your favourite movie? Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> what are you currently reading? Uh, I'm actually reading, I'm ashamed to say, Peter Crouchy's autobiography. <laughs> if Richard Branson sat next to you on a flight, what would be your first question other than, are you Richard Branson? Ooh, oh, it's got to be secrets of success. He's a he's a, an enduring, successful guy, hasn't he? So, yeah. Finally, if you could travel back in time to meet your 10-year-old self, what advice would you give him? I think be, be more confident. Which after this may seem a strange thing to say, but I think uh, confidence and uh, just not being scared, as I say, it's, uh, yeah. That's good advice. David, thank you so much for your time and participating in MBM's M&A Snack and Chat podcast. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining us with David Nix, founder, seller, and then buyer of Ready for Retirement. Join us next time when Caroline and I will be joined by another special guest and we will chat and snack all things M&A. Goodbye. Goodbye all.